Chapter 2 How Hemar Pant Got His Name From Baba The Purpose of This Work In the first chapter, we witnessed Baba's Leela, in which he prevented the cholera epidemic from entering Shirdi. By grinding wheat at the quern stone and having the flour thrown along the borders of the village. As Himalpant began to hear and experience these marvelous leelas of sang, his heart overflowed with joy and love. This ecstatic devotion for Baba that he felt found expression in the sacred verses that he wrote. The thought came to Himalpant that the sins of the listener would be mitigated by hearing the leelas of sign. He felt that the other devotees would experience the same joy that he and others who witnessed these leelas had felt from their first-hand experience. Documenting the life of a saint is however not an easy task and it is certainly not possible unless it is ordained by the saint himself. Himalpan thought to himself, in trying to determine the true nature of the Self, the scriptures and all the four Vedas fall silent. How then will I know your true nature, O Sign? In whatever manner a devotee may wish to serve the Satguru, it is truly the Satguru who himself gets the service done. The inspiration comes from the saints and the devotees chosen for the service are mere instruments and not the doers. Having witnessed Baba's leelas for years, the idea of sharing these precious jewels for the benefit of the simple and earnest devotees was germinating in Hemarpan's mind and heart. Those devotees who had not had actual darshan of Baba could gain merit by listening to the stories of a sacred life. It is indeed the one who is blessed, who feels an urge to read these stories and is in turn blessed with an experience of joy and inner peace when he does so. Baba grants permission for the writing of his stories. Himarpant at the time was nearly 60 years of age and doubted his own ability to write the book. He felt that neither his mind nor body would be able to support him and feared the work might be compromised and might even lose its integrity. Yet, despite these obstacles, he felt that instead of wasting time on something else that might be meaningless, he would rather be only in Sai's service. Himarpant believed that the work would help him make some spiritual advancement, no matter how it would turn out. When the desire to write arose in Himarpant, he did have the chance but could not muster the courage to share it directly with Baba. So when he saw Shama, he immediately conveyed this desire to him. No one was around Baba at the time, and Shama then took the opportunity to breach the subject with Baba. He said, 
Baba, this Anna Sahib says that he wishes to write down your life story to the very best of his ability. If only you will grant him permission for it. Baba, please do not say, but I am just a fakir, begging alms from door to door and merely subsisting only on bread, with or without any greens. Of such a one as me, why would you want to write a life story? For you are the diamond which has to be set in its socket. Himarpant then thought to himself, Oh, if only Baba, you could give your permission and blessings, the book will then write itself and you will get it written and will remove all the obstacles in its way. Baba, who knew everything, was moved to compassion as he felt the sincerity of this prayer. He said, Your wish will be fulfilled. Himarpant at once placed his head on Baba's feet. Baba placed his hand on Himarpant's head and gave him Udi as prasad. Himarpant's anxious and impatient mind began to feel a sense of peace and calm. Knowing that the wish of Hemarpan's heart was sincere, Baba said the following, indicating his consent for the work. Make a record of all the experiences, stories and conversations. It is better to keep a record. He has my full support. Remember, he is but the instrument, for I myself will write my own story. My own story I shall narrate myself and thus fulfill the wishes of my devotees. He should subdue his ego and offer it at my feet. In life, he who conducts himself in this very manner will certainly get from me complete assistance for the writing of this book, but I shall even labor for that one in every way. When one's ego and conceit totally subdue, and not even the slightest trace of it is left behind, then is when I will dwell in him, and with my very own hand the book shall be written. When the work of listening, contemplation, or writing is begun, and this thought is held firmly governing it, then know that the work will be accomplished by me itself, while he will only be my instrument. A record, of course, must be kept inside one's home or outside or wherever else you may be. Be in my remembrance constantly and you will enjoy peace. Listening to my stories, narrating to others in the form of Kirtan, contemplating them will propagate love and devotion for me and will destroy one's ignorance instantly. Wherever there is faith and devotion together, I remain enslaved forever. Have no doubt about this. Otherwise, I always remain unattainable. When heard earnestly and with virtuousness, these stories will generate devotion in the listener's mind. Self-experience and bliss will then be experienced and a state of perpetual joy will thus be attained. The devotee will attain the state of self-realization 
which will bring in tune both his Jiva and Shiva. He will then comprehend the incomprehensible, which is without attributes, and the Supreme Spirit shall reveal itself. Such is the reward, the fruit of my stories. What else would one want? This is the ultimate objective of the Shrutis, and so by attaining this, the devotee will be enriched. Where contentiousness prevails, ignorance and maya abound. There is no thought for deliverance, and the mind is continually engaged in malicious, misconceived speculation. Such a one is not worthy of self-knowledge, for he is engulfed by ignorance alone. He can neither enjoy happiness on earth nor in heaven. Everywhere and at all times he is but unhappy. For us not is an obstinate maintenance of our point of view, not the refutation of another's, not yet the exposition of the two contrary viewpoints. Why all this futile, unnecessary effort? How Hemadpan's good fortune brought him to Sai Baba? Before coming to Baba, Himarpant had been a talkative and outspoken man. Unaware of the true significance of the Sadguru, he took a deep sense of pride in his own wisdom and was quite argumentative by nature. It was his good fortune that destiny brought him to Sai Baba. It was Himarpant's Rinanuband and indebtedness to two of Baba's great devotees Kaka Sahib Dikshit and Nana Sahib Chandorkar, whose association took him to Shirdi. Upon Kaka Sahib Dikshit's insistence that Hemarpant visit Shirdi, travel plans were finalized. Unfortunately, on the day that they were scheduled to leave, a close friend of Hemarpant's, who lived in Lunavla, was caught in the middle of a difficult personal crisis. This man's son was afflicted with very high fever and the child had taken seriously ill. The family, after trying out all kinds of medicinal remedies, offered religious rites and prayers. The child's father was very devoted to a guru who had initiated him. The guru was invited home and was requested to sit by the boy's bedside during the critical moments when the child was trying hard to hold on to life. But alas, as fate would have it, the boy succumbed to the illness and passed away. When Himarpant heard the news, his mind became greatly dejected and agitated. He thought to himself, Is this all that a guru can do? That he could not even save their only child? Hearing the tale of such an overwhelming power of destiny and karma weakened Himarpan's desire for having Baba's darshan, and it eventually became an impediment keeping him from visiting Shirdi. He ignorantly asked himself, why go to Shirdi at all? Just see the condition of my friend. What is the use of a guru's company? What can a guru do before one's destiny? 
if everything that happens is destined to happen, then where is the need for a guru? Let us accept whatever happens as one's fate, be it good or bad. And much as one may wish for something to be different, events will unfold according to one's prarab. Nothing can stop the unwinding of one's destiny. And it was this, his destiny, that eventually pulled him to Shirdi. Nana Sahib Chandorkar, who was a subdivisional officer, travelled from Thane district to visit the suburb of Vashi, which was on the outskirts of Bombay. While at Dadar station, there was an hour's wait for the train and he suddenly had this impulse to utilize the spare time for a good purpose. At that very moment, a train travelling only up to Bandra station arrived at his platform, which he then boarded. Upon reaching Bandra, Nana sent a message for Himarpant, who immediately came to see him. Nana at once brought up for discussion the question about Shirdi. So when do you propose to leave for Sai Baba's darshan? And why all this hesitation about visiting Shirdi? Why delay one's departure? How is it that there is no firm resolve of the mind? Nana's eagerness and enthusiasm made Hemarpan feel quite ashamed of himself. Very honestly, he told Nana about the wavering thoughts stirring through his mind. Nana patiently and very lovingly gave Hemarpan some very sound advice, and the desire and enthusiasm to visit Shirdi was rekindled in him. Only after Hemarpan promised to immediately travel to Shirdi, Nana left. Himarpant went home and immediately started packing, made all the necessary arrangements and set out that very evening for Shirdi. Believing that the evening mail, his train to Shirdi, would halt at Dadar station, he purchased a ticket to Dadar. As he boarded the local train from Bandra, a Muslim man got into the compartment just as the train began to move. Seeing all the luggage, the man asked Himarpan, Where to on this journey? Himarpan replied, I will go to Dadar and then take the train to Manmar. The man at once alerted Himarpan, Do not get off at Dadar. The evening mail will not halt there. Go instead straight to Victoria Terminus. Had this warning not come in good time, Hemarpant would have missed the train had he got off at Tadar, and then he would have had second thoughts about making the trip. But on that day, he was graced by Baba to seize the chance to go to Shirdi. He arrived in Shirdi at about 9 or 10 o'clock the next morning. Bhausai Pikshit was already waiting for him over there. As Hemarpan stepped down from the Tonga, he felt a deep sense of joy in his heart for Baba's darshan and could hardly wait to fall at his feet. At that moment, one of Sai Baba's well-known devotees, Tatya Sahib Bhulkar, had just returned from Dwarkamai, and he said to Hemarpan, 
Hurry up, hurry up, go quickly and take darshan. Baba, along with his devotees, has reached the corner of the Vara. Come as you are and have darshan first, even if it is from a distance. For Baba will then set out the Lendi bath. You can take a bath afterwards, and when Baba returns, you can then go to the mosque once again and have a leisurely darshan. On hearing this, Hemantpant rushed for Baba's darshan and he prostrated at his feet. He could barely contain his joy. Nana Sahib had told him about Sai Baba, but now, when Hemantpant saw him in person, he felt overwhelmed and considered himself blessed. He truly felt that his eyes had achieved their purpose. Never before had Hemantpant seen Baba's divine figure or heard it described by anyone. Now having cast his eyes upon Baba, all senses stood still. His eyes were calmed, his hunger and thirst forgotten. The divine touch of Sai Baba's holy feet and the kind inquiries that he made after Hemantpant were the most precious and treasured moments of his life. Hemantpant felt a deep sense of indebtedness towards those to whom he owed this divine, saintly association. Only those who help in one's spiritual progress are the true kith and kin. No relatives can ever be like them. This is what Hemantpant felt. So great was his obligation towards them that he did not know how the debt could ever be repaid. So he bowed his head, lowering it at their feet with deep reverence and with folded hands. Hemarpant was finally blessed with science darshan. All his doubts were resolved. To add to it, he had science sacred company and experienced the greatest joy for himself. Such was the marvel of being blessed by Baba's darshan. His mere glance was enough to bring about a total transformation in one's being. All the past karmas that remain would be rooted out and an aversion for sensual pleasures and worldly life would gradually take over. Baba's mere glance uprooted the sins accumulated from past births and gave rise to the hope that by simply holding on to Baba's holy feet would bring eternal bliss. This meeting with Sai Maharaj was certainly the fruit of Hemadpan's accumulated merit over several past lives. Once Sai pervaded your vision, the entire manifestation would then appear to you as filled by Sai. How Baba bestowed the name Hemadpan on the very day that they arrived in Shirdi, a heated argument arose between Hemantpan and Bala Sahib Bhate on why one needed a guru, if at all. Hemantpan put his view forward, for which he had a deep conviction at the time. He wondered why one should ever subjugate oneself to another or lose one's sense of independence. Each individual must strive for himself, and if he does not make the effort, how can a guru be of any help? 
Bala Sahib thought differently about the matter and both were equally and firmly convinced that their own points of view were correct. This was the perfect recipe for an argument to ensue, which then moved on to the subject of destiny and free will. Iman Khan said, When you leave everything to your destiny, what can ever happen then? Bala Sahib in turn argued that, Whatever one's fate, it is sure to befall and cannot be resisted. What is destined to happen is going to happen. What can work against fate? One may do one thing, but the result can be something unexpected. So it is best to leave one's clever intellect aside. But Hemar Khan's ego would not accept defeat so easily. The debate continued with more arguments and counter-arguments, but remained inconclusive. Nothing of value resulted from it. If anything, Hemarthan lost his peace of mind in the bargain. Neither side was willing to relent and nearly an hour passed by, so at last it was put an end to. Later in the day, when they went to Dwarkamai along with the devotees, just listen to what Baba asked Kaka Sahib Dikshit. What was going on in the Vada? He further questioned. What was all that dispute about? And what was this Hemarpan saying? He looked pointedly at Hemarpan as he asked the last question. The Vada where the argument took place and the mosque were quite far apart. How then did Baba know about this incident? Hemarpanth was quite astonished by the very thought of it. All the same, he was quite dumbstruck by Baba's piercing words and hung his head in shame for behaving the way he did in the very first meeting. Ironically, while visiting his guru for the very first time, he argued away about why one needed a guru. But then one can see how Baba compassionately transformed him. The name Himarpant, which Baba gave him, was the direct result of the morning's heated argument. Himarpant believed that this incident reminded Baba of the famous author Hemadri, who was a minister to the kings of the Yadav dynasty in Maharashtra in the 13th century. Hemadri was the author of a treatise on Dharma Shastra, a most munificent benefactor to the Brahmins. Hemadri was the first composer to systematically arrange the code of conduct which was consistent with the Shrutis and Smritis. Hemadri was proficient in the art of writing, while Hemarpanth felt that he was gravely ignorant. But this title that Baba bestowed, no doubt, was a tribute to Hemarpan's cleverness and was not conferred on him without a purpose. Baba's incisive and piercing words were aimed at Hemarpan's deeply argumentative nature and to shatter his egotism. Strutting about with my meager knowledge, mine was but empty babble. Baba opened my eyes to my deep ignorance by the timely admonition," wrote Hemarpanth later. The name Hemarpanth that Baba had bestowed upon him 
was so deeply significant and well-timed that it was accepted gratefully as an ornament. All the time, Hemant Khan felt that they needed to learn his lesson and to root out the quality of being contentious, for it was very harmful to himself and to those around him. This name Himarpant must surely have been given to him so that he may shed his conceit about his argumentative abilities and that he may remember to be humble always until his last breath. The Importance of the Guru While visiting his Guru for the first time, Himarpant had questioned the very need for having a Guru and Baba the all-knowing, all-pervasive taught him and all of us the great lesson of being humble. Out of sheer ignorance and perhaps with a taste for some superficial experiences, some of us may wonder why there is a need for a Guru. Even Lord Shri Ram, the son of King Dasharat, who was the very incarnation of God, an embodiment of knowledge itself, he who took form to protect the universe and in whose name sages meditated all the time. He himself had a guru and would surrender at the feet of his guru Vashishta. Lord Shri Krishna, the very embodiment of Brahman itself, even he had to have a guru and face great hardships as he carried logs of wood and served in the home of his guru Sandipani. Compared to them, who am I? What is there then to argue and debate about at all? There is no knowledge without the Guru, nor any deliverance. Contemplated Hemarpan as he felt this deep truth, which was then firmly established in his heart. Conscientiousness is the greatest of vices, as is the desire to argue with another. If there is no faith, courage, and patience, then being established in spiritual life is not even remotely possible. Himarpanth himself experienced this in the days to come. In this manner, with love, surrender, and reverence, he humbly accepted the name Baba bestowed upon him, Himarpanth, as an honor and a blessing.